Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Christmas story and civil disobedience and what that has to do with pro-life ministry. Stay tuned for this episode. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Um, we're going to talk a, a little bit about the Christmas story in this episode and some conversations that Vicky and I had had about some things that go on in the Christmas story and, you know, after the birth of Jesus and to do with the wise men. And we'll jump right into it in Matthew chapter 2. Many of you know, of course, the story of the birth of Jesus. We're, this is the day after Christmas we're recording mm-hmm. this, and we celebrated the birth of Jesus. And we know the story about the wise men, and Matthew conveys that story here in Matthew chapter 2. And then we know the wise men, before they went to see Jesus, they saw King Herod. And King mm-hmm. Herod, um, in, a, in a crafty sort of way, told these guys, well, when you find the child, let me know so I too can come and worship him, is what mm-hmm. he said. And, of course, we know what's behind his, his motive there is he wants to, to try to wipe out this, this um, person who may end up taking his throne. Yeah. Herod's one of those guys that doesn't want to let go of his authority and his, and his uh, position. And uh, then we hear about this slaughter of the innocents, is that it's called. After you know, Jesus was born and the wise man, actually something I heard by the way, just a little little rabbit trail, which was pretty interesting. I heard a preacher talking about um, the wise men and their gifts mm-hmm. that they brought, and there's a lot of explanation there of what these gifts meant. The gold was uh, the symbol of, of a king, you mm-hmm. know, so Jesus was obviously is a king. Mm-hmm. Uh, the incense, frankincense, was um, to represent his divinity, right? You burn incense to, to oh. the divinity, and okay. so that was what mm-hmm. that was to represent. Or priestly, some people say, because of his priestly nature. And then the myrrh was for his death. You know, they embalmed bodies or, or put myrrh as a spice. But this preacher said, yeah, those things can be true, and, and those things are obviously true aspects of who Jesus is. But he said, practically speaking, you have to wonder why these wise men brought these gifts to, to a baby, right? right. He's shivering yeah. in the cold. He doesn't need gold. He needs, <laughs> he needs <diapers>. a blanket. <laughs> he needs a blanket and... Yeah. <laughs> As one comedian said, a bowl of soup would have done well, <laughs> right. other than some frankincense. Um, but this preacher said these were costly things. Obviously, gold yeah. is. Frankincense yeah. was very costly, and so was myrrh. Mm-hmm. What if? And I think it's true. Um, this was ordained by God in order to fund the trip to Egypt <laughs> that oh. you know Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus had to take. And that's what we're talking about here: is how um, they were under threat of of being killed Mm. by King Herod, Jesus was. And so an angel revealed to Joseph, hey, this is going to happen, flee to Egypt. And so they did. And you got to wonder how they, you know, he was a carpenter, didn't have a lot of money. He just had to go to, um, to back to his hometown, to to Bethlehem. And that was pretty costly, I'm sure, of a trip. So how was he going to fund this? Well, the wise men. So that's a little little freebie for you guys as you're listening. That's not what this podcast is about, but that's an interesting uh, thing to think about. God provides. Yeah, God does provide Mm -hmm. in that situation. He did. But why did Jesus and his family have to flee to Egypt? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was because of Herod. Mm -hmm. And Herod, here in uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16... And it says, when Herod saw that he was deceived by the wise men, he was exceedingly angry and sent forth and, uh, to put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its districts from two years old, um, according to the time which had been determined by the wise men. So he said, yeah. all these children, because again, this, this person was uh, possibly going to depose him of his throne because this was supposed to be a king. Mm-hmm. And uh, rather than really wanting to worship the king, he wanted to kill the king. Yeah. Um, and so we're talking about, actually our subject, strangely enough, is civil disobedience. Yeah. Because this story br- brings to mind, and if you look at, and, and a lot of pro-lifers throughout the years have, I've even heard uh, Flip, who mm-hmm. we had on some podcasts ago and who mm-hmm. we interact with on a regular basis, um, talking about the the devil and the demonic nature of the attack on children, yeah. on the attack, of course, the attack on the unborn. In this situation, it was two years and younger, mm-hmm. um, compared to this rage of Herod and 
back in Egypt, back in Exodus chapter one, mm-hmm. um, the the rage of Pharaoh against yeah. the children of Israel and their babies who were ultimately thrown into the Nile. And we'll, we'll talk. We'll go to that scripture in just a second. Yeah. Although it is strange, as I mentioned earlier. Um, that Jesus escapes to Egypt mm-hmm. <laughs> from Herod. And mm-hmm. then, of course, what happened in, in the days when the children of Israel were in Egypt is they were to escape from Egypt and they were to be rescued from the um, the king of Egypt there. Yeah. But this is, this is the king, Herod, mm-hmm. who is given a civil order, mm-hmm. who's given a, a decree. And I guess there's some debate over the level of power that he had. Could he do this? Because he was under Roman rule, and he was sort of just a figurehead, really. Mm-hmm. But he obviously had some power mm-hmm. to be able to, to direct whatever it was, his palace guard or whatever, to go and slaughter two years and younger. I mean, this this obviously was you know a traumatic event. You know, it's references back here in verse 18. Or verse 17, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. So he's referencing right. back to this scripture that was prophesied about this event. And there were, you know, this is one of those prophecies that had application then and has application, uh, you know, had application in Jeremiah's day and has application in, in Jesus' day. Yeah. Um, so this is obviously a traumatic event. This is people having their children ripped out of their arms, taken and, and slaughtered. Yeah. I mean, you imagine if you're a palace guard, do you obey this this decree? Do you ob- obey this governing authority? Yeah. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Talking about some, in, in some aspects, what we deal with as sidewalk counselors, because mm-hmm. we in Charlotte have dealt with a lot of <laughs> decrees, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, ordinances of man that we've had to you know, respectfully disobey and, and yeah. do what we're called to do, what we know that what is is within our rights to do. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about some of that uh, as we as we go on. Yeah. But biblically, how do we think about that sort mm-hmm. of thing? And how do we compare that to what we see in the Bible? Right. So yeah. let's jump back then to Exodus and and I believe we'll we'll get a little deeper into this. So Exodus chapter one. Okay. And if you're all right with going going yeah. there already, yeah, let's go there. And uh, and this is whenever the Egyptian king Pharaoh uh, began to see that the children of Israel were increasing in number, and uh, he commanded the Hebrew midwives, so mm-hmm. the midwives, so those who helped these these Hebrew women to deliver their children, mm-hmm. to kill the children mm-hmm. when they were born if they were male. If they were, if male, they were male, which is you know another parallel. It was yeah. the, the young. Boys, yeah, the, the, the baby boys, boys that were, that were being killed. killed. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't want. He was afraid that these people were going to rise up and rebel against him. They were outnumbering mm-hmm. the Egyptians, mm-hmm. and he was wondering how much longer can we keep them under our thumb mm-hmm. <laughs> without them rebelling. Right, and uh, and so we need to nip this thing in the bud, right. so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what's that scripture that you have there? In um, in Exodus one. Yeah. Okay, so Exodus one verse fifteen. Is where it begins. Yeah. Did you, are you going to read it? Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. It says, The king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was, you'll have to pronounce that name, Shephara. Shifra. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love these biblical Shifra names. Shifra and Pua. Pua. Those are great names. Mm-hmm. I've never heard someone name their child that, but <laughs> they were obviously wonderful people. Back then it was like <laughs> it was, Mary. It was, yeah. <laughs> um, it says, um, okay, yeah, it's verse 16. And he said, uh, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. Mm-hmm. And, and if it is a daughter, she shall live. In verse 17, here comes your civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. And this was a decree from the highest level of government that you could get right. in probably the entire region, maybe even in the entire world at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, Egypt was a very powerful, probably the most powerful nation at that time. But at least right. in Egypt... This was the most powerful voice, the most powerful um, entity that you could get a decree from. And here he goes, Correct. and he, rec- he decrees this thing. In verse 17, but the midwives feared God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a key right there. Mm-hmm. And did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively (laughs) and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. 
This was because the, the midwives feared God, and he provided households for them. Yeah. And then it goes on in verse 22. So Pharaoh commanded that all his people, commanded all his people saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And then we have the story of Moses and how Moses' mother hid him. There's another mm-hmm. civil disobedience. Exactly. And she hid him until she could hide him no more or put him in the bulrushes. Ultimately, she was, or he was uh, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter and, and protected miraculously. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, so it's a great story um, to illustrate the point yeah. of, of an unjust law. And um, and people's response to it, and then what what were the consequences? And so when when we were talking about this and trying to decide how to approach this topic, um, I did a little bit of research, and I found um, what I thought were really good three guiding principles. This was from um, uh, FirstBaptistDallas.org yeah. um, website. So three guiding principles of civil disobedience. Okay. And three guiding principles biblically. Biblically. Yeah. Yes, yes. This is this is from a biblical perspective, from a yeah. gospel focused pers- perspective. So and I thought they were good. And and I think we can apply them to any of these stories that yeah. we read about civil disobedience yeah, and, and, in and the strangely, Bible. Strangely, as we were thinking about this subject and talking about this subject, as I'm going through and I'm thinking about you know, examples of civil disobedience in the scripture, you know, some come to mind immediately and then some I didn't really think about. Right. Like I didn't think about Daniel, the yeah. story of Daniel yeah. until you mentioned it. And I should have, because yeah. that's a common story in the story of Shadrach, yeah. Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. Um, so th- this is, I think, a very important topic that we talk about as it has to do with pro-life ministry. Because yes. we're not just talking about sidewalk counseling. Right. But we're talking about in other realms of pro-life ministry. I mean, we're living in an ever-increasing world that is is pro-death mm-hmm. <laughs> pro-abortion and not just like pro-abortion in some sort of a passive way like I, you know pro-choice so to speak where yeah. you can choose to be pro-life if you want but i'm going to be pro no these people are actively like trying to silence pro-lifers uh actively you know i mentioned to you about in california laws that they had passed in california um basically saying that commanding that pro-life pregnancy centers have to refer for abortions or at least point people in the direction right. of of people that provide abortions, yeah. which is like not just um, – this is a compelled speech. Like you're not just forced to um, to just be okay with an alternative perspective. You're forced to promote right. abortion, right? which, is, which yeah. is insane. Yeah, and doctors and nurses we had talked about um, earlier um, – uh, being forced to perform abortions or they'll lose their jobs is yeah. another example. Yeah, of, well, uh, like in, in universities and things, people who are training to be MDs have yeah. to, you know, are told that they have to perform abortions or at least be right. part of a uh, of yeah. an abortion in order to yeah. to get their MD. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not something that um, that you can just say, well, you know, maybe that's okay for you, but not for me. They're they're being actively yeah. told to go against God's clear commandments yeah, and, and their, their own their conscience. Own conscience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I'll go into those three guiding principles yeah. and then, um, then we can go from there. So the, the first one, when you're thinking about civil disobedience, does it, does the situation rise to the, um, the degree that I need to disobey? Right. A okay. higher authority, not God, not the highest authority right now. We're talking about a, a governmental authority. Mm-hmm. So the first one, is your disobedience based on clear biblical mandate? Okay. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, does, does what you are um, rising up against violate something that God has clearly told you do not violate. Yeah. So, you know, an obvious example in the pro-life movement is thou shalt not murder. Yeah, yeah. And, and well, what is abortion? example right here in this passage, too. Yeah. So these, these Hebrew midwives, it says that their motivation was, they weren't just motivated to disobey Pharaoh because they didn't like him because he right. had a funny hat. Right. <laughs> or whatever, because he was yeah. an Egyptian or whatever. No, it says they feared God. Yes. That was, that was their chief thing here in this scripture that says that that was motivating them to disobey this 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 edict yeah. this decree 
And to fear God, you must know God and you must know what he says. And why I think that's important is because I can't tell you the number of times that I have, um, again, our work in front of this um, abortion center, where I will say, do you know what the Bible says about the unborn and the sacred nature of that unborn life? And so many of them will say, no, I don't know. So how can you fear and obey God if you don't even know what he says. So it's implicit in that, that these midwives, they feared God, so they knew God. Yeah, and they knew his word, at least his command, Mm -hmm. thou shalt not murder. Now that command had not yet been given. Um, It's given later on in in Exodus chapter 20, where Mm -hmm. God writes the Ten ten Commandments on tablets of stone with his own finger. Right. But this command is a universal thing. Like we know killing innocent people is wrong. We know that universally. Yeah. And these Hebrew midwives, they knew that. They feared God, and uh, and they disobeyed because of that, that first principle. Does it right. violate a clear command of the Lord? Is what you're being told to do by a governing authority violate a clear command of the Lord? Right, and and that, that guiding principle is based on Acts 5, 29, um, which is Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. Yeah. So whatever, that, that should be the first thing that we think when we're butting heads with a law. Does this law in some way um, force me to disobey God? Yeah. And if so, that's a law that you may need to um, be disobedient yeah. towards. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so... The second guiding principle of civil disobedience, if you engage in civil disobedience, do so demonstrating respect for authority. Okay. Um, And so if you think of Daniel is a great example. Yeah, yeah. Throughout the book of Daniel, whenever Daniel um, engages with the king, who was, remember, this King Nebuchadnezzar, he was not a, a God follower, Right. No, no, um, <laughs> at, least, at least not initially. <laughs> and so, um, but he deals with him with so much respect um, when he's commanded in, I, you know, I don't well, actually in, have the reference for no, when I've got he's right commanded here. to eat the vegetables. The, okay, yeah, the, and that's the, the first the couple of food. chapters. Yeah, that's the first couple of chapters of, uh, of Daniel whenever they're brought from Jerusalem and they're brought into Nebuchadnezzar's house. Right. Um, yeah, that's the first chapter. And uh, Daniel basically says, and, and there's some some reasons why I think when Daniel, when the guy who oversees the these these young boys that wants to make them strong and tough and whatever, right, um, is going to feed them meat, and he says no. Uh, some people say, and I think I agree that this was meat sacrificed to idols. So it was going against God's law. Right. It was uh, maybe pork. <laughs> it right. Probably was. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, but either way, Daniel was saying, we can't eat this meat. It would defile defile us, mm-hmm. and so let's eat vegetables. And in that sense, Daniel was sort of sly about this thing. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like direct civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, well, we ain't going to do that. It was just like, well, let's eat vegetables for 10 days, and if things go well, then maybe this is a good idea for everybody. <laughs> yeah, so he's, he pitched, appro- he's, approaching, he pitched it. he's approaching it gently and with respect as his first resort. His first resort is not, you know, I <clears throat> will not do this um, and, uh, you know, pulls, pulls out a knife or anything yeah. like that. He tries to basically offer a solution where he doesn't compromise in any way his beliefs, but, um, but he still presents very respectfully um, a counter to whatever this edict is. Yeah. Yeah. And so he does it, he does it, like you said, very respectfully. Mm -hmm. And then going on just a couple of chapters um, past that in Daniel chapter three, we have the story of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. And, you know, they, even though they were pretty straightforward about this, it seems that they were, they were pretty respectful Mm-hmm. And uh, it says here, it says verse 16 of chapter 3, and this is after Nebuchadnezzar had established this, what, 90-foot idol that people were supposed to, when music played, they were supposed to bow down and, and worship this thing. Several times a day, whenever the trumpet sounded or whatever, they were yeah. supposed to bow down to this idol. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they refused to because right. this violates a clear command of God. This violates clearly what we've been told 
in God's word, you know, they have the first command, you shall not worship an idol. I'm the Lord yeah. your God, you have no other gods before me. Second command is you shall not make for yourself an idol. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. God has mm-hmm. commanded us not to. It would go against what God's commanded, it would go against our conscience. Mm-hmm. In verse 16, in chapter 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Old Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If there is, ju- If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, say so this is Nebuchadnezzar had threatened them, if you don't bow down, then you're going to be you're going to be killed, thrown into a into the furnace. Um, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known, O King, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image of which you have set us uh, of what you have set up. Um, so they're saying God can deliver us, but even if He doesn't, we're still not mm-hmm. going to worship. Your mm-hmm. idol, and they're not calling him names. No. They're they're not making any threats. They're just saying this is a standard we will not violate. Yeah, and um and they do it with respect. Even look at the our our last passage um that we were talking about with the Hebrew midwives. They you know they're being ordered to murder babies. Yeah, and honestly, it seems like they would be very justified in saying, "You filthy creep! Mm-hmm. What are you asking us to do? Have you no conscience?" But they don't. They answer gently yeah. and kindly, and um, um, and with respect. Yeah, yeah, and that's not easy. Let me. It just is tell you. not <laughs> easy, especially when you look at um, uh what you're facing particularly with abortion you're facing the murder what we believe is the murder of um of so many innocent little babies and i think our fleshly impulse is to um to strike out at these vile um people doing this what we what this this vile act anyway i think even more you know more applicable is you know dealing with governing authorities that make up laws and that try to apply laws i mean we we deal with some of that we've had anything from signs that we use to show the truth about abortion and show the truth about a mom choosing life yeah we've had those signs taken out of our our volunteers hands before we're actually yeah. dealing with now a federal lawsuit against the city of Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we have some experience in this realm where we've had, you know, laws, sound ordinances and and uh, picketing ordinances and these different things that we've never really had to worry about before because we know we're not lawbreakers and we, we right. know what the law is. But they've been twisted and applied in certain ways where it's like, man, in order for us to do what God's called us to do, we have to disobey. Like we're, we're called to you, if somebody wants literature, to give them literature. Yeah, um, that's part of you know our mode of ministry. And it's part of our calling. Yeah, and now we've been written citations for giving out literature to somebody who stops in the driveway and, and asks for it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in like, a sense, we're being told, "Do not speak." For up at this last ditch moment, do not speak, um, and offer what you know can save lives yeah. and point people to God. Um, but God commands us in Proverbs 31, 8 to 10, speak for those who cannot speak yeah, for yourself. Yeah. So that is an unjust law that directly violates God's commandment to us to speak. And, um, and the methods by which we speak to these women um, is our information, mm-hmm. literally speaking, um, which they the authorities have tried to shut down through the sound ordinance um, uh, and, and our signs speaking with visual images. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've said as we're talking about what we're dealing with personally, and I know what others, you know, I mentioned California and the law that had been passed. And thankfully that's been struck down from what I understand mm-hmm. where these pro-life pregnancy centers not only have to disclose that they don't do abortions, but they have to point people in the direction of abortions if they want abortions, which is ridiculous. Right. But, you know, they had to push back against that. And you have to make the decision because they were facing, if they were if they were not going to obey that, they were facing $500 per incident mm-hmm. initially when it was $500 for the first incident and then $1,000 for every incident after that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, can I obey this? Can I in good conscience obey not just not talking about pro-life stuff, but actually being compelled to encourage people or at least to point people in the direction of abortion. It's like, man, there's no way that I can 
honor God. So I think that's one of the things is can I honor God and obey this? Mm -hmm. And if I'm told I can't speak against abortion, I have to. In Mm -hmm. order to honor the Lord, I know the slaughter of the innocents (laughs) is happening in our city, like in Matthew chapter 2. Yeah. I have to speak out against that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sort of out of this passage, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is they're not just dealing with some, I don't know, some sort of benign thing, edict or whatever, but this is like a a malicious and malignant thing where they're told they have to worship this 90-foot idol Mm-hmm. In in the public square, mm-hmm. and they respectfully, like I said, it's hard because you know even talking about this, I'm getting fired up. My blood's right. starting to boil because, like, right. man, we have a command from God. We have this thing called the Constitution <laughs> in the yeah. United States to protect these rights, and yet yeah. we're still having to deal with this. Yeah, these guys though, they didn't have a Constitution. They had God's word, but they didn't have you know different courts and things like that they could appeal to. They couldn't file a federal lawsuit against Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. They had to face some pretty tough circumstances, and they were willing to do it. And I think that's right. To your and next so that point, goes right? to the third one of the guiding principles of um, civil disobedience, and it's um, a hard one, yeah. but it is critical that we be prepared to suffer the consequences. Yeah. Now we know that in the end, God will reward us, but there can be dire consequences to any act of civil disobedience. So um, be clear that the law that you are um, regarding as unjust and that you are going to disobey, is is it truly a, a law that forces you to compromise? It's a moral law yeah. or an immoral law that causes you to compromise your um ability to honor and glorify God. Yeah. And if it is, yeah, I think you have no choice but to um, to fight that. Yeah, absolutely. And, well, let's go into uh, Daniel chapter 6, I believe it is. Yeah, Daniel chapter 6, and this okay. is another story. Mm-hmm. And of course, we all know my name's Daniel, so Daniel is... So that's your favorite that's, book, that's my right? Favorite, <laughs> it's not actually my favorite book of the Bible, though, but it's one of my favorites. Yes. Um, and in the story of Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, when I tell people in my name, and they're like, "How I need to remember that. So it's easy. Daniel in the lion's den. <laughs> just remember the guy in the lion's den. <laughs> right. And of course, the story of Daniel in the lion's den begins with an unrighteous edict mm-hmm. from King Darius in this mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. where these men, apparently um, some of the council of Darius were jealous of Daniel because he was favored by the king, and they convinced him to make up this this new law that you can't pray for a certain amount of time, I think it was 30 days or something like that, to any other deity um, or any other god or any other entity except for the king. And um, and when this was passed, here's what it says in Daniel chapter 6, and verse 8. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, so this law was passed, you know, it was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his window open toward Jerusalem. So he didn't do it in silence. He didn't do it behind closed doors. He opened his window toward Jerusalem. So, And as with his window open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. So mm-hmm. Daniel apparently did this all the time. This is his custom. This is what he did. Never had a problem until they passed this law. And rather than saying, well, maybe I should obey this thing. Maybe I should go and hide and and pray in secret. I mean, the Bible says you should pray in secret. That's what Jesus said, so I can justify it by just closing Just step out of your custom because obviously they're going to be, they know your custom. They're going to be looking for you. (laughs) You are setting yourself up for failure here, Daniel. Yeah, Daniel, what are you doing here? Don't you know? You should obey the governing authorities. And yet he goes with his window open. Now, Right, I don't wait, believe by the way, right, right after that, oh, right? Yeah, right yeah. after they said it, he goes, it throws says, open the window. <laughs> I mean, it says, now when he knew, when Daniel knew, so he knew this thing, so it's like, here's the here's the cause and effect. So right. he found out this thing, so he went right home and prayed. Now, I don't think it was Daniel's uh, motive at all, because if you look at this guy, he was just a humble man, loved God, um, that he was doing this for show. Right. I mean, he opened his window for show. No, it was his custom. what he always did. what he did, right? right. This is, yeah. He prayed. And he mm-hmm. prayed toward Jerusalem three times a day. Yeah. So he kept doing what he had done. Mm-hmm. And uh, ultimately, he's apprehended 
and he's thrown into the lion's den, and, you know, by God's grace, he was saved. Mm -hmm. But he knew, full well knew, that he could be eaten by the lions. Yeah. And, uh, and yet he still did this act of civil disobedience. Right, right. And he, he suffered the consequences. And in this case, as in the case with the Hebrew midwives, God stepped in and saved him. Yeah. Um, it's the same with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God stepped right, in and rescued right. them from the, from the fiery furnace. Right. But he doesn't always. No. You know, no. He, he doesn't always. And I think we have to be prepared for the fact that we may suffer. Um, and, you know, Jesus is a... A perfect example of that. He yeah. he did not answer um, Herod. Was it Herod that was questioning him? And he Pilate. was and Pilate, and he was just silent. And he could have rescued himself there, but he would not answer. Yeah, the only um, answer he gave unjust accusations. Pilate, yeah, Pilate was like, uh, "Don't you know I have the power to set you free?" And he says, right. "You have no power except that which is given to you." Basically, you're under yeah. God's authority. Right. Ultimately. Man, put yourself in check. Yeah, <laughs> and you know saying. what? Honestly, that is a great guiding principle as well. As well, that statement by Jesus: "You would have no power unless it was given to you by God." And so, you know, when we go forth, if we keep that in our heart and mind, we remember that um, we serve um, the God of all power. Yeah, and and it is to well, I mean, Him. That's, that's that brings me. To some of the passages that we were talking about that are sort of difficult, so we okay, have passages. There, there are some. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had passages. We talked about the civil civil disobedience passages. Uh, some of those, at least, and you know how God honored those people. And I believe, no matter what, listen, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have been consumed in the fiery furnace, still God would have honored them in eternity, right? But God honored them in that case by saving them. The Hebrew midwives in the same, and and Daniel in the same. Even if, but their motive was not that God's going to rescue me. Their motive right. was, I'm going to honor God. No matter God what. God honored them. No matter what. Exactly. But we have here in Romans chapter 13, this is where my mind always goes when I'm thinking about governing authorities and right. dealing with the government and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I'll kind of give, well, let's just read the passage okay. here in Romans 13, verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only to because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake, uh, for because of this you will pay taxes, um, you also you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing, uh, render taxes. So basically he's talking about taxes. I don't think that's the only context here where he's talking mm-hmm. about taxes. I think it's the primary context where he's talking about taxes. And so some Christians might ask the question, do I need to pay my taxes? Right. And yeah, you do. Yeah. And Jesus even said that. Yeah. Give to Caesar those right. that are Caesar's and right. to God those things. Yeah. But how, how do we... How do we view this this passage in light of what we're talking about? Because we're looking at Old Testament examples, and we mentioned, and we'll mention again, probably we need to read those pe- passages in Romans, or Acts, sorry, um, about these apostles who disobeyed. And so they had some commands from mm-hmm. governing authorities, and yet this passage is telling us mm-hmm. that we need to obey those governing authorities. Yeah. Uh, let, let me jump on to the... Um, First Peter passage, right? Um, because I think it ties in. It's pretty much the same theme as what exactly. Paul's given in Romans. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it says, and you know, this is for all first, those who are first listening, Peter what? First Peter chapter two. Okay. And you know, I'm a context guy. I don't like to just read a passage out of its context, but I won't read the greater context of this passage because I think it's pretty obvious. But for those who want to, just read First Peter. It's very short. <laughs> You'll get mm-hmm. the context of what Peter's talking about mm-hmm. here. Um, but I'll jump into verse 13. It says, therefore, um, and you know, when there's a therefore, you should look back and see what it's there for. So I encourage right. you to, to look right. at the context of this. But therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for God's sake, rather to the king as supreme or to governors, as those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of the Lord. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Mm-hmm. And so again, here's, here's a context where we're dealing with obedience to government. You know, mm-hmm. Paul says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man. Peter says, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about ordinances, right? We're, yeah. we're dealing with what we believe to be some unjust ordinances here in Charlotte. And you know, looking around, you know, there's some unjust ordinances, some things that cause you know, pro-life ministries to have issues. Well, not just and, yeah, even not the just ordinances. Pro-life. Let's just look at abortion. Yeah. <laughs> abortion in and of itself is allowed by yeah. law yeah. in our country. Yeah. Yeah. Some say it's the it's the law of the land. You know, right. Roe which, v. Wade. Right. Which, yeah. by the way, Roe v. Wade is not a law. Right. The courts, because of the Constitution, mm-hmm. <laughs> are not to make laws. Um, but they have in some senses, which is horrible. Right. Uh, that could be a podcast for another day, because yes. that yes. would be a long one to go through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we look at these ordinances of man, and we look at some of the hindrances that they cause to us personally, um, and we're like, we have to do what we're, you know, let's go back to the to Acts. And this is what they said in the book of Acts. Okay. Um, they were told by the governing authorities in Acts chapter 4, I believe it is. And, you know, they were preaching in the name of Jesus. They were healing right. people in the name right. of Jesus. Yeah. And ultimately the Pharisees, who were rulers, they were in charge mm-hmm. in some ways. Now, they weren't in complete charge because Romans, the Romans ruled Jerusalem and, and uh, the whole area of Israel there. But they at least had some authority, and they're at least you know re- religious and um, you know secular. Well, I don't say secular, but governmental authorities. And it says uh, in verse thirteen of Acts chapter four. Now, when they, it's the Pharisees or the the the, the Sanhedrin, so the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and and the other rulers there in Jerusalem, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So they recognized this thing about them. That had been mm-hmm. with Jesus, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But it basically, what happens is they um, take these guys into their authority, into their custody, and they beat them. Actually, yeah. um, for healing a man. Yeah, for healing a man, and uh, and it says, and this is them conversing with themselves. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that they na- that they uh, now. They speak in the name of Jesus no more. So they're, they're not supposed to speak in Jesus' name. So they called them and commanded them that they should not speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But Peter and John, and this is the same Peter that wrote First Peter, okay? So there's some context here, and there's, some, there's things that we need to reconcile in our understanding here, which we'll talk about. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. Verse 20, I love this passage. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Mm-hmm. And so when they had further threatened them, um, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. And so this man's healed. God's glorified. The gospel's preached. These guys are, are ticked off. So they arrest Peter and John, and they threaten them. I said they beat them, but they didn't in this passage. I think later on they actually do. Okay. Um, and then they threaten them, tell them can't speak no no more speaking in the name of Jesus, no more preaching this gospel about this Jesus. Okay, we don't hear this stuff anymore because <laughs> mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna put you to death, whatever they threaten them with. Yeah. And Peter and John's response is, "You judge for yourself whether it's right for us to listen to you mm-hmm. or to God. Mm-hmm. For us, we're gonna listen to God. Yeah. We can't help it. He's basically saying we can't help it. We can't help but speak the things." which we have seen and which we have heard. Right. He's talking about the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and the miracles that Jesus had performed, this majesty of this glorious Savior. We, we can't keep our mouths shut about this thing. It's not just yeah. that we don't want to. It's like mm-hmm. we can't. Mm-hmm. We can't help. We have to speak this, this truth about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in the same way with us and the application that we're dealing with here in Charlotte, I mean, we have been struck course with the majesty of Jesus and we can't help but preach the gospel but also we've been you know dealt with by the Holy Spirit 
for what's happening in our city, the fact that little baby boys and little baby girls are being murdered just minutes away from our churches, from our homes. It's like we have to speak against this thing. We have to, and we've seen the effect of speaking against this. We've seen moms choose life. We just had yeah. the day after Christmas <laughs> today. Yeah. We yeah. just had a mom who had had an abortion right. broken yeah. and was coming actually to the abortion clinic again, actually hoping yeah. that we would be there. Right. And thankfully, by God's grace, we were. Right. And we shared the truth with her. She chose life for that baby, and she's getting ministered to from her previous abortion. Yeah. And like, man, we've seen the result of this thing. We know what God can do. We must speak this truth. Yeah. To withhold this truth would be a crime against God and against these women. Yeah. Ultimately, you'll be held account by someone to yeah, account. Yeah. Will it be held to account by God for what you have done or haven't done, or will it be held to account by, um, you know, some civic authority, civil yeah. authority for what you have done or or not done? And certainly, um, my my preference is that my heart would long to be held to account by God and to have done what he has commanded us yeah. to do. Well, I know one of the things, and you know, we're not we're not gonna be able to get into the 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 depth of Romans chapter thirteen and, and all the back and forth arguments about that. Maybe we will at some future podcast, maybe have someone on who's smarter than us about this stuff. But one of the things I will say is that in Romans and in Peter, what Peter's talking about, you're dealing with, you know, a literal empire, a monarchy, where mm-hmm. you have the highest level of government is the emperor, is the Roman emperor, and yeah. that's what you're dealing with in that context. In the context that we're dealing with here in the United States of America, you know what the highest level of government is in this country? The highest level yeah, of government. Yeah, the highest authority in this country. In our country, uh, well, yes, I would assume it's Congress, President, no? No. Actually, Supreme no. Court? <laughs> Nada. Not going to happen. No. The Constitution. Oh, of course. Okay. The, the Constitution yes. is what yes. gives these, it's it's what lays out these different areas of government. These yes. three branches of government are all, they wouldn't exist if it weren't for the Constitution. Now, it's true that not necessarily everyone in government is going to abide or agree with that. They're writing, well, kind of rewriting their own little Constitution. Exactly. And that's the, but, that's the yes. issue. Yeah. So, the highest level of government that we have to obey in this country is the Constitution. Right. And when there are things that are very plain in the Constitution, like the freedom of speech, yeah. we shall not be infringed upon. I mean, come on. You can't get more clear than that. Yeah. And yet these there are government entities that try to circumvent or usurp um, the authority that the Constitution has in this country, and that creates a lot of problems. Yeah. And so, so yeah. one of the, the appeals that I make, you know, if I'm going to give out a, a, a pamphlet to a mom that's going into the abortion clinic and I'm threatened with a citation for stepping into the driveway or for stepping around a police barricade or whatever. And that's, you know, we, all these weird threats. And one of our guys got jaywalking a couple of weeks ago <laughs> for walking across the street and giving literature. It's like, this Not is ridiculous. Not in a crosswalk and there's yeah, no crosswalk. There's no crosswalk, the <laughs> there's no crosswalk within a mile and a half. <laughs> right. It's funny, but it stinks because we have to go to court over this. We yeah. have to fight this. We have to get yeah. a lawyer and all this. It's yeah. ridiculous. Right. Um, but it's like, I have to do that. I, I, if, if I know it can save a baby's life, and also I know, according to the Constitution, I have a right to speak, or giving literature is speech, to give literature to somebody that asks for it. Yeah. Right? So I, I'm, yeah. I'm not violating my conscience. I'm honoring God first and foremost. But I'm also, I'm not violating the law of the land because it's the Constitution. Yeah. And Although there are certainly constitutional um, por- portions of the Constitution, such as slavery, that that um, I do think violate um, God's yeah, uh, commands, and so there are times when the highest law of the land is immoral, yeah, and, oh, absolutely. It, and is unjust, mm-hmm. and then uh, the, you know, then God is though supreme, yeah, uh, above it all. One of the things I would have a hard time with the the Romans thirteen finding like a hole mm-hmm. to be able to say okay you can um, you can kind of disregard that but in the was it in the first Peter first mm-hmm. Peter passage yeah. it says fear Peter God two. right yeah. in in fear there God, it said the in the list of things was fear God and so in the list of who were you're to honor and obey. God is clearly mentioned, fear God. And, of course, throughout the Bible, God's word is supreme. Yeah. So when he's in the list and you've 
you can then kind of pick, well, which one am I going to honor? And, and if, if the laws of men contradict the laws of God, I think you could make an argument in that passage, well, fear God is, is the most important. Yeah. So I don't know if that's true in the Romans 13 one. I didn't really pick up any. Yeah, like I said, it's impossible for us to dig into yeah. the, the, the meat of that. But I will yeah. say just practically, you know, the apostle uh, Peter is not contradicting himself, when er, whereas before he disobeyed, and he did it respectfully, the governing right. authorities right. and said, we yeah. can't, we have to speak in the name of Jesus. Even they were, they were told not to. Yeah. Um, and Paul, of course, himself, knowing that in many scenarios he could be arrested and, and it was you know, he was told actually in, in Acts later on, the governing authorities in Jerusalem didn't like Paul so much either. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if he was directly told. I don't recall him being directly told, don't speak in the name of Jesus. But he was arrested and ultimately right. given over to the Romans yeah. for what seems to be an act of civil disobedience. So mm-hmm. there's there's some context that I think can easily be reconciled. Again, we're not going to be able to do it uh, right here, right now, um, yeah. that, that lets us know that there are acts of civil disobedience, and we see that, of course, in the passages we read in, in Daniel and in uh, Exodus, mm-hmm. that there are times when, in order to honor God, you have to disobey governing authorities. Yeah, yeah. But it does create, I don't know if that's where you're going, it does create some some questions mm-hmm. um, about, well, how far do you take that? It does. It does. And I, th- I think it's really important, something that I was thinking about as, as I was researching this subject was in all the examples of civil disobedience from an individual who loved the Lord in the Bible, do I ever see an example um, where violence was used? Yeah. And I don't. I can't recall. And in fact, I think Jesus's example is clear that... Um, we don't respond with violence when yeah. he's arrested, unjustly arrested for crimes he never committed yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane. And um, and one of his disciples cuts off the ear of one yeah, of the Yeah, it was like exactly soldiers. the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah. He, he, didn't, yeah the, he didn't grab a sword with Peter. He right, actually heals the guy's he ear. He heals the ear. And, um, and so I don't think of the things that were called... Um, not to do in being civilly disobedient, I don't think we're called to violence. Yeah. Um, I, I don't see that biblically. Yeah, I don't either. And, of course, that's where folks' mind will go. If you can just violate laws, well, then why, what's holding you back from violating whatever, any law? Yeah. But, and, and what's holding us back? If you violate a law that you see is unjust— Number one is you don't just do it willy-nilly. Right? You don't just right. do it off the cuff and just disregard the law. You've considered the law. You've thought about what this thing might, you know, the, the, for, what the consequences might be, but also the context of this law and, and how it contradicts the Word of God and, and the convictions of your heart. Um, so you don't just do it right off the cuff willy-nilly. It's something that you you have well uh, you thought it through yeah and you know as i'm thinking through these three principles and the middle one of of respect you know just again from our example on the sidewalk not that we're a perfect example by any means (laughs) (laughs) but but um whenever there has been something proposed by the officers out there um as the law (laughs) that they're you know um at least the law of the day um we, I think, pretty uniformly respectfully approach them and respectfully challenge, well, can you show us that? Yeah. Um, we ask, you know, show us. Show yeah, us show where, where, where it is. says yeah. that. What, and, um, um, and, and, and then um, we have often used, I think, creative ways to abide by the law but still be able to um, do what we know we're called to do. Yeah. So, you know, and, and the, an example on in our situation is we're not allowed to cross a police barricade to hand out literature to yeah. women pulling in, even if they roll down their window and reach for it. So we're using grabbers now. Yeah, and, <laughs> with, and a baby. Grandma <laughs> used the reach on the top. That's shelf right. And <laughs> a, a, well, I think a week ago, a baby was literally the mom took the literature from the grabber and 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 read the literature, and drove out of that place and chose life for her baby. So I think whenever possible, 
you certainly want to work within the confines of the yeah, law, but yeah. that is not always possible. Yeah, yeah, it's not always possible. But you know, God gives wisdom. God mm-hmm. gives us grace. The, the 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 chief principle here is we have to seek to honor God. We have to fear the Lord. Yeah. And if we would fear God, then God can give us wisdom in these mm-hmm. situations. And if we have to file a lawsuit, and that's part of the law of the land in this country, yeah. the way the yeah. Constitution is set up, we can actually sue the government for infringing on our rights. And, you know, we're doing that. So yeah. if those who are listening, please pray for us that this, yeah. this lawsuit would, would, uh, would be victorious and the city would stop trying to hinder um, what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but we have to honor the Lord. But we have to also understand there are sometimes consequences. Sometimes yeah. you're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace or in the mm-hmm. lion's den. God mm-hmm. doesn't always rescue you. You know, Jesus, uh, ultimately, it's a different scenario because he was, he was destined to, to die. But the apostles, they were beaten. Yeah. They were thrown in prison. Peter was actually later on in Acts, I think it was chapter 5, where he was thrown in prison. Yeah. And he suffered. Yeah, and you know what? I think it's maybe the greatest test of faith that I have ever had in my life is how much do you trust God? Yeah. Do you know what God says? Are you doing it? And if you're going to bear some harsh and difficult consequences as a result, will you still obey God? Yeah. And um, and if if you do... It's because you believe God. Yeah. You believe he's there. You, re- you believe he eternally um, rewards those who, who obey and follow and love him. And you trust that no matter what happens, he is in control and it will all be used for his purposes. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, I think with that, we'll wrap this thing up. We appreciate those who listen. Um, we would love if you reached out to us. You can reach out to me via email and uh, and just sub- suggest maybe some subjects that we can cover, maybe some, maybe some things, pro-life ministry issues or whatever that you would you know, have questions about and you want us to talk through. We'd love to do that. My email is dparks at citiesforlife.com. Vicki is vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. You can connect with us on our website, charlotte.citiesforlife.org. And our sidewalk counseling whip training website is uh, www.sidewalks4life.com. And we'd love to hear from you guys. We appreciate those who listen. And uh, hope that you had a blessed Christmas. And we will talk to you in the new year. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. Nothing's too precious since I made